Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune in to the Trade Addicts podcast. Thank you and enjoy your podcast. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and nerds all at once. When the mask's not adding up, you better check it out. I'm working to the ground. One conclusion from this might be that snapping up running backs in the top 24, according to DLF ADP, right now might be rewarded by some given the extra hits this year. However, despite 2018's lack of success, the average draft round of running backs ranked 13 to 24 has barely changed since 2018, all the way into this year, 2019. Apparently, we had doubled down on top 24 running backs. This is part of a pattern of the last two years years where we have been selecting running backs in the top 24 um, over wide receivers in the top 24. If I were to speculate, this is because of the result of the 2014 wide receiver boom fading and the effect plateauing um, after two successive bad draft classes. As such, it might be a good idea to switch course and take some value since 2014 on top of top 12 dynasty wide receivers since we are gaining, getting them 3-5 to five spots lower in our startup drafts. As a result, I still recommend fading top 24 running backs selected before the top 12 of wide receivers. We hit on top 24 running backs less often on average, um, and with the added value of wide receivers gaining, getting pushed down in ADP over the last two years, they are historically steals right now. That's really poorly written. Um, and it's from an article I wrote two years ago in 2019, tracking the change in ADP, um, according to Dynasty ADP, not Best Ball ADP, which is what most people are focusing on at this time of year. And essentially I was pointing out what I'd been pointing out in previous articles for DLF, that top 24 running backs suck, and you should stop valuing them so highly. If a running back doesn't have, like, legitimately, you don't think they're going to finish in the top 12, and honestly, with further research, I think you should really be aiming for top 8, but let's ignore that for now. If you don't think they're a 3-down, 60% rushing workload kind of a player, do not draft them in the first 3 rounds of your startup, and don't trade for them at top 3 round startup value. That is not only not... That is not only just as true now it's even more true because the trend i was noting in 2019 here god i've been doing this way too long is actually increased i was recently just breaking down this information researching another subject and since that time we've increasingly started drafting running backs in the first round of dynasty adp that's dynasty adp over wide receivers in 2019 the year i was writing it so i hadn't seen that adp yet we took six running backs in the first round and we took uh, six wide receivers, so we split it evenly, six and six. In 2020, last year, we took nine running backs in the first round, and we took six wide receivers. That 
doesn't add up. Oh, I'm looking at the wrong column. Nine running backs and three wide receivers. This year, right now, according to the current Dynasty League ADP, we have come back a little bit on it, but we're still drafting seven running backs in the first round and five wide receivers in the first round. Now, bear in mind that on average between 2014 and 2017 we were drafting about 2.75 running backs we've increasingly stepped on the gas for running back adp and it's with good reason top 12 running back value has a significant difference making season we should play dynasty more like redraft and increasingly we should be realizing that you're either in or you're out on players as often as reasonably possible however we have also transferred this logic onto top 24 running backs. In the second round of ADP in Dynasty, DLS ADP, that trend remains. In 2014, 15, and 16, we were drafting three or four running backs in the top in the second round of dynasty startups in uh, 19 20 and 21 we're drafting seven five and seven running backs in the second round of dynasty startups there is no way we are convincing ourselves that around 15 to 20 running backs are all top 12 running backs next year and it's especially important to focus on next year for running backs which is kind of a counterpoint I have to Derek Henry right now. I mean, I don't want to throw out Derek Henry slander right now because there's some of it out there that's unjustified. And as far as his production goes, it's true. But after we missed on Derek Henry for three straight years, the last two years don't prove that he was a good dynasty bet in his rookie year. But that's kind of a nuanced point right now that might just get labeled on, lathered on top of some excessive Derek Henry isn't good takes right now, which is a decidedly bad time to have Derek Henry isn't good takes after two top 12 seasons so I don't really want to get into that right now but if you don't hit early on a running back and Derrick Henry is like one of five running backs who've ever had this level of production after waiting that long all the way back until 2000 and so it is relatively rare and there are paths to identifying running backs that will be more or less likely to do that and given that we liked him so much coming out of college there was actually a path to doing that but I prom I just said I wasn't going to get into this too hard so What's the point I'm opening the Dynasty Crossroad with this week? You are still overvaluing top 24 running backs, and I am still gobbling up all that wide receiver value in round 1 to 3 because you keep overpaying for running backs who couldn't pay off that ADP if they hit. And with that having been said... Welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name's Peter Howard, at PA Howdy on Twitter. This is a member of the DLF family of podcasts. This podcast, once again, is late. And it's one of those ones where I wish I scripted myself better because I have a lot to say and it's all kind of connected into one thesis, but... I don't, I don't script, and so it's probably, I'm going to forget things, and I'm going to misquote things like I just did, and um, also, I learned a lot about how I've improved as a writer, for specifically for Dynasty and Fantasy-related articles, like all of that stuff in that quote, I could have said with so much more punch, for example, right now, the running back dead zone, which is what reminded me of that article, that's everything I proved two years ago, and that was with Dynasty ADP, we were doing it in Dynasty two years ago, um, and before that, I just happened to notice and write about it two years ago, but I didn't think to give it a cool name like Dynasty Dead Zone or articulate it in a clear, simple fashion as it is right now. Like I, that entire quote said what Dynasty Dead, the running back dead zone is, but you didn't get that from it, did you? 
No, me neither. I had to search really hard to find where I said... I knew I said it in there somewhere, but I had to read the article several times to find where I was saying it because apparently even two years ago, I thought it was really important to sound smart because I was trying to get my nerd cred out there and now I care less about that, but I thought I had to make everything sound as complicated as possible and show every caveat and I, I showed every year's ADP and all the range of very, like, I made it too complicated so I couldn't just say top 24 running backs are overvalued. I had to say all that stuff. So, but that's kind of a side point. Like, I think I've gotten better, which is not something I often feel, and at least in terms of being able to present ideas in article form. But I want to get to the 2021 ADP. I really do. But there are some thoughts on running backs right now that I have to get out there in order to make some sense of where I'm at with the running back and wide receiver ADP going to the 2021 season. Having said that, I also want to let you know that tomorrow, actually, uh, Tuesday, I'm releasing my projections for the 2021 season, the first round at least, on Patreon. We're doing a live stream. Check it out if you can. Um, and also, I, I am sorry this podcast is late. All of my guests skipped out on me, and I skipped out on some of them. It just turned out I, I have gotten organized. I've got guests lined up for weeks, and uh, this week it just turned out none of the uh, times we'd set up worked for any of us. And so instead, I was going to do a solo podcast, and I recorded a few, and they all kind of sucked. And then uh, I, I was doing working life and now here we are on Monday and I'm finally recording it so I apologize for the wait here um but hopefully I'll be pushing out some interesting and useful things in, in the next few days so yeah that hopefully they'll make up for it you know um all right so uh running backs let's talk about them and I know right now I'm meant to be talking about Julio Jones and defending the myth uh, that is vacated targets but like I want to talk about that really around projections and I've I've written several articles and like I think what I think is out there pretty heavily and uh, I'm bored with it. I'd much rather talk about running backs right now and so that's what we're doing. Welcome in. <laughs> Let's do it. So the first thing or the place I want to start is the fact that wide receiver isn't deep. I mean it is but it isn't. Um, and I want to re -go, go over that. Re-go over that? Dang, maybe I haven't gotten any better. I want to go over that right now, because that used to be the conversation I was pulled into on Twitter all the time, because I just happened to point it out, because it seemed like a thing that was just obvious. There are only 24, top 24 wide receivers every year, and it can't get any deeper than that. Because I kept hearing the phrase, wide receiver is deep, back years ago. Um, at this point, clap back. Uh, Jesse was actually a fantasy football player uh, and not, you know, a, a, a huge Twitch game streamer. Check him out at CLVPBA. I don't know. Check out my Twitter feed. He's on there all the time. Um, but uh, <laughs> some Jesse shade. Huh, weird. Um, I was talking to him about it and, and he agreed and a bunch of other people. And yet the myth has still persisted. This used to be the conversation I was pulled into all the time. Now it's vacated targets. Every time someone mentions vacated targets, someone tags me on, on Twitter like I'm finally going to convince someone who after having talked about this ad nauseum for about a year or a year and a half and um, maybe even two years and um, 
I'm suddenly going to get them to realize that players currently on the depth chart have more to do with what's going to happen in this season than players that used to be on the depth chart. And if I haven't convinced any, anyone of that yet, then I'm probably not going to. But the conversation I used to get tagged in all the time was the idea that wide receiver isn't deep. It can only be 24 deep. And the idea was, well, there's more replaceability to the wide receiver position. And honestly, the, the reverse is kind of true. Running back value is that they are more, that they are rarer, which I don't know how we've managed to transfer that into, therefore, wide receivers that have a difference-making production or more common. That's It's not the opposite. Or, let me put it in simple terms for you here. Running backs who finished inside the top 24 since 2014, as long as my ADP history goes, that seemed like a decent date range to stick with. Running backs that finish in the top 24 have around about 22% of their games inside the top 12 on a week-by-week basis. That's going to 4 for 4 data that I've swiped from 4 for 4 because of our DLF partnership with them. Wide receivers who finish in the top 24 finish in the top 12 about 22% of the time as well. It's literally the same down to the 10th decimal place. So how is wide receiver deeper again? Well, maybe it's about ceiling weeks. Well, not really. Those are ceiling weeks. Those are top 12 weeks. Those are difference-making weeks at the wide receiver position. And wide receivers in the side of the top 24 at that position have the exact same average percentage of games inside the top 12 as running backs. And it's pretty much the same if you're just talking about usable or top 24 weeks for either position. 49% of games on a week-by-week basis for running backs who finish ranked 1-24 to on total PPR points 49% of their games, they finish in the top 24 on average. For wide receivers, they finish inside the top 24, oh, about 42% of the time. Actually, wide receivers 1 to 24 finish inside the top 24 less. That's actually where the myth of wide receiver is deep come from, because you have more wide receivers jumping into the top 24 on a week-by-week basis. But that does not mean they are more predictable. Actually, the running back position is infinitely more predictable on a week-by-week or year-by-year basis. Also added into this is the fact that running backs can come literally out of nowhere within a season, as opposed to wide receivers who tend not to do that because they're already on the field, they grow into the position, and and when wide receivers burst on the scene, it's usually because they're undrafted, and so no one thought they could do anything, because everyone hates undrafted free agents, or um, because they're young breakout players, which were already tracking with a fever and dynasty, and there's almost no one who's surprised ever by a name that suddenly breaks out anymore so I don't think that's a thing so and, and reverse on conversely on the other side you can have Miles Gaskin Miles Davis you can have Miles Davis Mike Davis Miles Davis was pretty cool too though is let's not go there and um, James Robinson uh, Austin Eckley can have running backs literally appear out of nowhere within a season to be difference-making players. Now, back to that article I wrote two years ago, I was trying to point out that running backs break into the top 12 more often than wide receivers break into the top 12 after being drafted outside the top 36. Now, I don't like using numbers on this podcast specifically because I'm not really a nerd and numbers make me get stress headaches just like everyone else in the world, to be honest. But also reading numbers at you it loses something in translation in a, in, a, in a verbal medium. I get it. But think of this. If you draft a wide receiver outside of round eight, 
they are less likely to be worth a wide receiver drafted inside of the top three rounds. Whereas running backs develop that value every year, literally every year, and actually it happens more often um, than it ever happens for wide receiver. So if you're looking for late round shots, you aim running back. And because the position has so much value and there is much more likelihood that a running back actually jumps into that fantasy relevant production, on a week-by-week, within-a-season basis, increasingly, as I was writing about two years ago and other people were writing about five years ago before that, even in Dynasty, we typically try to roster more running backs and wide receivers because wide receivers, we know to draft early. We have pretty good predictive metrics with running backs. It can more often come out of nowhere, and we try to draft each other's backup running backs, if nothing else. And so we typically spend more of our roster space not our starter space, but our roster space, our benches and our taxi squads, on running backs in the hope of capturing one of those in season. So the idea that we're going to capture those extra 7% of wide receivers who also have top 24 players, that relies on the idea of you countering your roster structure from what is literally the best way to play Dynasty or Redraft, which is making sure you stock up on running backs. So... I'm not really interested in trusting those 7% of top 24 weeks by giving up my potential top 12 running backs that come out of nowhere by giving up that roster space just so I can draft top 24 running backs who literally don't pay off that ADP if you draft them that high. So just some background here. Wide receiver is no deeper than running back, even though there are more wide receivers who have weekly relevance on a week-by-week basis just because of nothing else, because of the necessity of roster construction and what the upside we're actually chasing in order to win in any given season. And that's outside the fact that we're talking very, very slim margins. For example, well, I'm not going to, I'm not actually going to break into the usable week data, but like you have to, like 50% of um, running backs ranked 1 to 36 or so actually spend around 40%, 45% of their games inside the top 24. Running back is as deep as wide receiver if you look at it from a usable weeks rather than a ceiling weeks perspective once you really dig into the numbers. I really do think that idea that wide receiver is deep is exaggerated. And as actually... Well, listening and reading um, about the running back dead zone and realizing, yeah, that's that's how I, that's how to say that. Um, JJ Zacharyson on his podcast, the Late Round podcast, which is far superior to this and most podcasts actually, you should definitely check it out. He was talking about the the value or well, how did he put it? The difference making wide receiver is actually much more difficult to capture later down in the draft, which is another aspect to this. There is actually no reason for you to be drafting later round wide receivers for a 7% chance that you can stream wide receivers despite the fact you have less roster space on your on your bench to do that with wide receivers. Also, you're less likely to capture any of those wide receivers that actually become difference makers on a points by game or value standpoint um, in Dynasty. And I think he was specifically talking about best ball, but that also is true in Dynasty, although the numbers get slightly narrower because just because the broader field, uh, the, the broader spectrum of playing Dynasty 
and the fact that you can hold on to some Tyreek Hills and some Adam Thielens, and so that that somewhat brings the numbers closer together, but not really. Um, not really enough to justify the idea or the concept or the way wide receiver is deep plays out, either in Dynasty or in best ball drafts. It's overly exaggerated. It doesn't make logical sense because there can only be 24 24s of something, um, and ultimately messes with your roster structure for for floor and hurts your potential for upside let alone sustainability or week-to-week and probability of winning an individual matchup like they're just stop thinking it wide receiver isn't deep so much it is distractingly alluring to not have to spend money on something to put it or spend capital on something in a dynasty draft i get that but if you want the best things the best way of doing it is to pay more capital, unfortunately. Anyway, um, let's go from our basic understanding of, you know, the value of wide receiver and running back. Running backs are rarer, but wide receivers, difference-making wide receivers are also just as rare. They just provide less week-to-week upside of running backs one-to-one, and so running backs still get the edge. Wide receiver isn't deeper, nor is it more common, but it is less valuable on a week-to-week basis and less predictable than running back value. That's why running backs matter. That's why running backs are necessary to win, not because wide receiver is deep or because wide receiver production on a week-to-week basis provides no edge over wide receivers ranked 1-8. to eight. In fact, using the usable week data, I actually found that the flaw of where wide receivers become, uh, there's a drop-off at wide receiver um, uh value over other wide receivers is actually higher like wide receivers one to five provide a significant advantage over other wide receivers ranked one to five in a seasonal points ppr points system whereas you can really go running backs one to eight if you really want to get into it and provide a significant difference over other running backs now again cross positionally the running backs are inherently more valuable than the wide receivers because they are rarer and uh, and everything I just said, but within their positions, there's actually fewer wide receivers, which makes them rarer in that context for providing you week-to-week or year-to-year advantage. Now, the real advantage of all of this is the simple, all I'm simply saying is you should not draft a running back rounds one to three in a dynasty startup or trade for them at that value unless you really think they have that top 12 upside. We don't even have to dig down into the top five and the top eights. Just don't do it. Um, And it's pretty easy to understand what a top 12 running back looks like. I mean, there are exceptions, like the James Whites of the world do occasionally get top five seasons, and Austin Eckler's as well, and Alvin Kamara's, and Derek Henry's, who do look rare for one reason or another, whether they are pure rushers or pure, pure receivers, or it's a down year in the case of either for overall positional scoring but by and large you know that a running back is going to be a difference maker inside the top 12 tends to have to get a 60 percent rushing attempt for have some level of receiving ability and active um, involvement in the receiving game again that's why Derek Henry is a notable exception and there have been others and um, to that particular role there are exceptions to all these roles but we know what the stereotypical one looks like so uh, we are drafting too many running backs in the first two rounds, and you shouldn't draft any of the running backs unless you literally think they're going to be in, in the 
in the top 12 that year if they don't especially with running backs if it doesn't happen that year the, the value even if it sustains it's already a disappointment because you could have maintained value with a wide receiver pick much more likely they hit at a much greater rate inside those rankings in dynasty adp as well and that's what i'm going to talk about next because I just realized I forgot to mention that point. Running backs who are drafted inside the top eight at the position in Dynasty ADP hit inside the top eight that year around 30% of the time, which is actually pretty decent for such a high um, production output and marginal uh, target they were aiming at. Wide receivers drafted inside the top eight finish inside the top eight in PPR scoring 40% of the time. That's a significant difference, even when it's only an eight-player sample. That disparity works throughout the top 12. So the top five at each of the position, running backs hit inside the top five when drafted inside the top five around 27% of the time. Wide receivers hit inside the top five after being drafted inside the top five of their position 34% of the time. Now, a lot of this has to do with injury, but the fact is that running backs are more likely to get injured. And once you see something happen again and again and again, even though I'm not someone who predicts injury, we can predict that some of our top five running backs going into a season are probably going to miss enough time that they are not going to be able to pay off at that ADP, whereas wide receivers are less likely to suffer from injury or underperformance inside the top five, inside the top eight, and inside the top 12. Now, after we get outside the top 12, it actually narrows slightly. For example, inside the top 24, around 47% of running backs drafted inside the top 24 finish inside the top 24. And 49% of wide receivers drafted inside the top 24 finish inside the top 24. And I realize I keep having to repeat the same phrase. Such is the difficulty with this. Uh, medium for this particular lesson. But again, the rule here is simple. Running backs are more likely to break into a production category after being drafted outside of that production category from a startup draft than wide receivers. Wide receivers are more likely to finish inside the production threshold they're actually drafted at or inside the ranking they're actually drafted at. And running backs are more likely to break into that production threshold from outside of it. In other words, you have a better chance of capturing a running back who's going to pay off in value by drafting them later. It's another way of saying you shouldn't draft top anything but a top 12 running back inside the first three rounds, and then you should take shots on wide receivers anyway because they have a higher likelihood of end finishing in the side, the top 24 from rounds three to seven, and they also have a higher likelihood of outproducing um, their actual uh, draft capital inside the top 24. On the other hand, wide receivers drafted, running backs drafted outside the top 24 are more likely to jump into the top 12 or the top five, and so we should target a lot of them later in drafts and again that's where the standard dynasty theory comes from of drafting a lot of running backs late just to see who might do something or get opportunity in the following year that's again how we find the mike davises that's how we find the miles gaskins hopefully let's put some names on this so it doesn't continue to just be a list of numbers that is hard to understand or keep track of. In 2020, according to Dynasty League ADP, we drafted, uh, how many did I say last year? It was uh, nine running backs in the first round, um, which is a lot. Again, compared to years from 2014 all the way to 2019, that's that's a high number, but we're really excited about our young running backs and also Joe Mixon for some reason continuously and forever. 
of those running backs drafted in the first round last year, Christian McCaffrey got hurt, Saquon Barkley got hurt. Okay, that doesn't mean they're not good picks and we just miss, but again, once the thing continues to happen year over year that we know it's going to happen, you have to bake that into the risk pie of drafting a running back inside the first round. We don't know which ones, but it's a pretty good bet that one of our running backs inside the top five or inside the first round are probably going to miss enough time that they struggle to meet the production that we're paying for inside the first round of a dynasty startup. Avon Kamara hit as the first running back overall, actually in 2021 and um, PPR scoring Ezekiel Elliott finished as a running back nine which was decent but he actually disappointed in terms of the expectation of drafting a running back that high which is about 20 points per game and he actually only got 15 points per game now relative to the year that's fine but I think it is interesting that running backs that we drafted more running backs in the first round last year and even the ones that finished inside the top 12 disappointed in terms of expected points per game output based on a logarithmic formula I'm not going to get into right now of what we should expect per ADP of draft pick and positional value. Dalvin Cook finishes as a running back two overall last year, and so that was a hit. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire finishes as a running back 22, and we'll talk about him another time because that is underrated for a rookie, in my opinion, but it definitely wasn't worth a first-round startup pick. Joe Mixon never has been, but surprisingly on this list, he's one of the hits. He actually outproduced his ADP, uh, or at least met his expected output. You expect about 17 points per game for a running back drafted around that ADP, and he got around 17. 17 points per game. However, he only played, again, once it happens over and over again, you no longer get the excuse of not being able to see it coming. Um, he only played, how many games was it? I don't know, but he finished, uh, got fit. those were weird noises. He played 12 games. Uh, six games, sorry. Uh, Nick Chubb is a guy who played 12 games, apparently, and finishes a running back 11. Josh Jacobs finishes running back 8, and uh, that was great after playing 15 games. The only guys who beat expectation for their ADP person predicting or projecting what we should expect on a points per game basis are the ones that didn't play the whole season. Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, and Alvin Kamara, to be fair, and Dalvin Cook. So essentially, we've got two hits after drafting nine of them in the first round, and that's in a dynasty startup, and there's a drastic drop-off in value if you spend that much on a running back, and it doesn't come back to you in production that year. And so, again, that highlights the drastic mistake of drafting this many running backs too early having said that all of the ones drafted were potentially top 12 running backs and so in that way they were top three round picks for sure and i can't blame anyone for betting on them but most of them missed wide receivers on the other hand last year per adp in the first round we only drafted three michael thomas only played seven games, which is rare, but it does happen for what running backs, wide receivers in the top five and top 12 for that matter. It just happens less often. But his value has dropped significantly, but nowhere near as much as someone like Josh Jacobs, for example, who's actually one of the players who played fairly well and played the whole season. But still, Devontae Adams hit as a wide receiver one overall. Tyreek Hill hit as a wide receiver two overall. So, Wide receivers are hitting inside that ADP range as the positional ranks are drafted at a higher rate. But is that easier because there are only three wide receivers to hit versus nine running backs who have to hit? Well, let's go back to 2014 when we were drafting more wide receivers in the first round than running backs in the first round. In 2014, Calvin Johnson, Des Bryant, AJ Green, Demarius Thomas, Julio Jones... 
relevant. Um, Alshon Jeffrey and Brandon Marshall were all drafted in the first round. All of them at least met expectation on a points-per-game basis of being wide receivers draft that er- drafted that early. Calvin Johnson did disappoint the most, followed by A.J. Green, but both only played 13 games. But on a points-per-game basis, we're actually uh, pretty sure, yeah, they were putting up top 12 points per game in the games they actually played, and so they actually paid off that uh, as well, and as the wide receivers are value carried over more effectively into the following year, even as players who were slightly older even in that season. Des Bryant finishes as wide receiver 4, Hulo Jones finishes as wide receiver 6, as he does, Alshon Jeffrey finishes as wide receiver 10, and Brandon Marshall is the only miss, finishing as a wide receiver 34, points per game 21, wide receiver 21. So we have one out of, how many is this, 6? Seven. So despite doubling the sample size inside the first round by going back to 2014, still we find that wide receivers actually hit and meet their expectation when they're drafted that highly. So no, it's not a sample size problem. It's not a, it's not a last year was just random problem. Wide receivers are more likely to produce the types of production we actually expect from them that following year, that year, even if we're playing it with a more redraft mindset in mind, then the running backs drafted at similar ADPs inside the first three rounds. Yes, some of that is injuries, but even when we see wide receivers injured, they were producing at a high level, the level which they were drafted inside the first round at least, just using those brief examples. And when I zoom out to a broader sample, as I was doing earlier in the podcast, that remains true no matter which way we slice the data, what positional ranks we look at, or how we adjust the sample sizes. Wide receivers are, the difference-making wide receivers are more likely to actually be drafted early, and they're less likely to come further down the ADP. And also, wide receiver isn't deep in the way you might think because it makes some intuitive sense to think that way when you have 7% of wide receivers performing inside the top 24 that don't end up inside the top 24. Some of that will also be accounted for by the injured players, not players randomly finishing inside the top 24 on a week-by-week basis, by the way. It's the AG Greens who were top 24 on a week-by-week basis but didn't finish there positionally because they got injured after 13 games, and so that 7% isn't even quite accurate. And the reason I've dug into those numbers so hard is because, again, I was arguing with John Hogue once, and he brought it up. John Hogue from the Superflex Super Show. Great guy, you should definitely check out that DLF show as well. Um, It's fun to argue with. Great, uh, Really fun to play Dynasty with, and uh, again, getting into conversations with interesting people that think about fantasy in interesting ways is the main way I've found of enjoying it and improving, and John's one of those, so check him out. All right, let's put some actionable content on the end of this here, because I still, I I really want to talk about this more, and uh, we're past 30 minutes, so I'm not going to. Looking at 2021 ADP, this is from May, so it's before the Julio trade that I still haven't talked about with you guys. I can feel your hate. It's okay. Um, Inside the first round uh, of May DLF ADP, we've got... I'm looking at the second round. Sorry, hang on. Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, Davin Cook, Alvin Kamara, DeAndre Swift, and Cam Akers. For me, that's way too many shots at running back in the first round of a dynasty startup, but I do get it. We've increasingly become aware of the value of top 12 running backs, and as we looked about last year, all of those on the surface are pretty good bets to potentially be top 12 running backs, or at least highlighting the right kinds of players. Having said that, DeAndre Swift and Cam Akers, despite being young, 
have come nowhere close to demonstrating being able to suck up 60% of a team's rushing attempts. Like, Cam Akers, I don't even think, got a 30% of rushing attempts, and DeAndre Swift got to, like, 40%, and also a 40% top 12, um, I have no uh, ceiling weeks at running back, but that's just, I shouldn't have said that, because that's a different conversation. Ultimately, I think both are reaches based on age and us being used to targeting young players. Yeah, because if you're looking at running backs right now, the most likely to finish inside the top 12 are older players, which is not what we want in Dynasty, which should have us converting back to drafting wide receivers too heavily, but we can't because we know people are going to overdraft those top 24 running backs. Ultimately, I think the answer here is to let other people draft those top 24 running backs. Unless it's Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor established something of that three-down top 12 potential role last year. In fact, I think he may have even finished inside the top 12 um, overall last year, but I have to recheck that. And Dalvin Cook, maybe, but we're getting towards a touch threshold where it gets slightly worrying. But this is where I wanted to drop a whole bunch of information about how we underrate running backs going into their fourth or fifth season. And I don't really have time to get into that. Ultimately, I still expect them to produce this year. Not liking them for this year makes little sense based on the history of players who have been as productive as Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry have been. And notice Derrick Henry isn't in this list yet. He's not being drafted in the first round because reasons, uh, to be honest with you. Alvin Kamara is actually more of a concern because he's got a less certain offensive situation and he depends more on his receiving game, which means he's more likely to have a longer extended period for his career as a running back and has a more usable floor, but his upside might be tainted by a drastic shift in the offense with the loss of Drew Brees. So I even think Alvin Kamara is a little bit of reach at this point. So Cook seems appropriately drafted in the first round, but it's a little bit of a reach. If he gets injured, that's a lot of dynasty value to bleed out, despite it being very good running back. Jonathan Taylor, I'll give you Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey, but that's really three of the running backs out of the seven being drafted in the first round that I'd even consider, to be honest, being one of those top 12 running backs I'd target. Going into the second round of ADP, or in trade value for that matter, we have Nick... Chubb, who again, I really think is a great value, 25 years old, and he's got the three down skill set, even with Kareem Hunt on the depth chart, I think he's doing more with less, it's a really good indication that he might be able to have an efficiency year this year, and actually break inside the top 12, kind of unexpectedly, but with the second round ADP, I think a lot of people are expecting it right now, so I'm really happy to have him on my roster, I don't know I can pay that value in Dynasty, unless I'm really pushing to win this year, in which case Nick Chubb makes a good sense. Jake Okay, Dobbins. Yeah, if I can't have Rashad, my fantasy of Rashad Bateman being a wide receiver one because the Baltimore offense could change, then you can't have J.K. Dobbins. I'm sorry, live with it. That's that, that's too much for a top 24 running back just because he's going to be young. Running backs don't really get that added age bonus unless they're also producing so much, in my opinion. So I think that's a little overrated. Nick Ezekiel Elliott's still going in the second round, which I think is a very sharp pick, as we've got increasingly sharp with ADP over the years. But again, you have a distressingly low floor, especially after giving up all the wide receivers I haven't yet mentioned, who are much more likely to produce and maintain their value currently being drafted in the same range. I want the production, but I know. I, I don't know I can spend second round pick capital or spend 
and trade capital on an Ezekiel Elliott. Najee Harris seems like a smarter pick than most of the running backs from last year so far. Derek Henry seems perfectly fine in the second round to me. Antonio Gibson, we're going to have to have a talk about Antonio Gibson. I was also impressed, and he is one of the best second round values we've ever got from ADP, and you should profit from it. You should not be spending it. And I, I don't think he can get to a 60% rushing share in even if he did on a poor offense, which the offense does not look to improve drastically in 2021. I, I just do not see this level of top 12 upside for Antonio Gibson. I'd rather have any of the wide receivers in this range. Aaron Jones, I'm all in on, but I kind of feel like the same with Ezekiel Elliott or Nick Chubb. They're all being drafted in the second round of ADP, but I don't feel like they trade exactly for that value. Um, I want them on my roster, but I think they're cheaper than their ADP suggests right now in trade, and that's what I'm going to be trying to do. Derek Henley is like the clearly good pick in the second round according to ADP in my opinion. All right, uh, wide receivers being drafted in the first and the second round. Obviously, there's notably too few of them. But A.J. Brown, uh, Justin Jefferson, D.K. Metcalf, C.D. Lamb, and Tyreek Hill are all being drafted in the first round. So that's five wide receivers. Since there are seven running backs, we're now splitting the first round pretty evenly between running backs and wide receivers again. <coughs> the one that makes... All of these are more likely to hit and maintain value, especially considering they're all under the age of 24, except for Tyreek Hill, um, who's the last one in that list. The one that really catches my eye, though, is C.D. Lamb. Um, I'm trusting ADP, and I really like C.D. Lamb. I think he's phenomenal. I think he might be overdrafted because he's a second-year, 22-year-old player, and dynasty players tilt hard and age, as we know. But given the lessons I've learned from ADP, if C.D. Lamb can break inside the top 12, like that will be a value, and he is likely to hit in that range based on our ADP history. And if nothing else, he's a great player at a young age. It seems like a really interesting note that consensus is telling us there about C.D. Lamb. I have been concerned that Amari Cooper, and even Gallup, although Gallup's always been underrated in ADP, um, Amari Cooper seems like a value, but if C.D. Lamb really hit inside the top 12 this year, Amari Cooper is a floor value. He's not a ceiling value, if you know what I mean. I I think he, Amari Cooper would have to significantly be ratcheted back in terms of expectation on a week-to-week basis. He's a top 24 player again, instead of ever being a top 12 for C.D. Lamb to get there. Um, and that's what ADP currently seems to think. In the second round, we've got Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs, Jamar Chase. Again, similar notes to C.D. Lamb there. Could be just age, but it's really interesting we've ramped him up that high. Calvin Ridley, who's bound to shoot up, I guess, into the first round as well. You would hope now um, Julio Jones has been traded and DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, again, I'm not buying for that value, but I think it's very appropriately priced given the history of wide receiver in this ADP range and the fact that he is great. (laughs) 28 years old definitely doesn't scare me in the same way that Derek Henry and um, uh, Saquon Barkley and CMC going into their fourth and fifth seasons does not scare me for the 2021 season. Um, DeAndre Hopkins should be just fine this year. Um, all right, that sounded like somewhat actionable information. Um, so yeah, I think I'll leave it there. Um, I just think it's interesting, um, especially in the face of somewhat disappointing uh, running backs over the last few years, despite us seeing an increase in the value and also the production of some of these rookies over the last few years and our 
uh, a counter reaction to it has been to again once again ramp up and continue to increase running backs way too high and that dead zone as it's now known by smarter writers who find a way of uh, describing and articulating that point better than me have now termed it still exists it's just now much more expensive in dynasty which puts the value much more on those wide receivers which again as I crappily wrote two years ago, um, we're getting a value on because they're being pushed down as we push running backs who could not pay off their ADP even if they hit at that level and they're less likely to hit at that level. Uh, all right. Uh, I didn't expect this to be nonstop talking, wall to wall. I thought I'd get to throw in a few more jokes, uh, but uh, didn't. So I'm just going to get out of here because we're, we're running real long at this point. I do have a lot of interviews coming up. Zach Reed, Kevin O'Brien, um, the FF engineer. Um, also, Nick Whalen's agreed to talk to me if he, you know, can... can I feel like he'll change his mind. I like, I'm really, I'm really hoping not. He's an interesting guy. I've never got to talk to him one-on-one. And we think very differently about football and fantasy football in particular. So I think it'd be a really good conversation. Um, and uh, I intend to get someone else on this podcast again. Thanks for checking out the Dynasty Crossroads. Really appreciate it. And I'll talk to you again uh, next week. Hopefully with, with someone else. To talk to. See you. Yeah. Bye. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the place, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that, I, I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore. I am at a crossroads. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, no. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.